Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm all about delectable dishes and exquisite gastronomic experiences. So if it's rich or savory or just downright delicious, you'll hear about it right here. Welcome to Truly Fabulous Food for Your Ears. This show brings you fresh ingredients, recipes, and kitchen wisdom from celebrity chefs and authors, artisans, and experts. Plus, I cover wine and libations, trends, health, and travel, and everything you need to feed your soul. I'm grateful that you've tuned in. What have you been cooking of late? I am cooking for fall and football, and I love the changing of the seasons and heartier comfort food. I also love to dig into anything deliciously sweet, and I am delighted to tell you we have a full plate this hour. Coming up, in fact, Christina Tosi is here, yes, of Milk Bar fame, and wait until you see and hear about her new cookbook release. Well... It's actually all about cake, but more of the story of. She's sharing a children's book, in fact, to inspire. And I am elated. Christina Tosi is sitting down to dish. Also, we're continuing our culinary series, Digging Deep into the Chinese Culture. And Carolyn Phillips is back of, of course, the James Beard Award-winning All Under Heaven. Recipes from 35 different cuisines of China, and we're covering them all over the course of a year. You do not want to miss her passion. Of course, if you would like seconds, which I think is the greatest compliment to a chef, whether you love to cook or love to eat, you're bound to find something you love on the show. You should visit chefjamie.com, please, for my features and recipes and cooking videos. And you can always take your cooking skills to the next level by becoming a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. Please stay tuned all throughout the hour. There's so much delectable stuff coming up. But first, I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know, to share what I love to eat and what I love to cook, and hopefully to give you some guidance on some of the things that I think will make you a culinary hero. And brown butter is one of them. It's a magical secret ingredient. It enhances the flavor of almost everything, sweet or savory. And it's the fall season that makes me conjure up the flavors of brown butter and rich and rustic and delicious dishes. And while I've shared with you my profound passion for brown butter before, I think that it's a a very worthy reminder because brown butter has this rich, nutty taste and this aroma that is out of this world. But even better, it is super easy to make. So browning butter is one of those life skills that I think should be taught to everyone alongside things like how to change a tire and tip at a restaurant, how to ride a bike with no hands, how to properly mince garlic. By the way, it's best done with a pinch of salt. Everyone should know these things, right? Well, it's a good thing for you that I'm here (laughs) because I don't know how to change a tire, but I have butter 
Yes. And if you haven't yet realized the glory of brown butter, well, then this is the season for your baked goods and your roasted vegetables and your popcorn and your life might even change. I mean, brown butter is simply butter that has been heated over the stove to become nutty and golden. And in French, it's called beurre noisette. It is literally translated to mean hazelnut butter, which really describes more its color and I believe its aroma rather than its flavor. It has all the beauty of butter, just better. So a brown butter spread slathered on toast so good. If you add a pinch of cinnamon, you get cinnamon bun butter. Okay, now that made me hungry. And it's like the best cinnamon bun you've ever had, right? Well, brown butter is a shortcut ingredient, I believe, to great cooking. So it takes any kind of cake or brownie, because I make a brown butter blondie, to a whole new level of complexity. It's nutty deliciousness. It makes cornbread better. It makes uh, risotto and pasta dishes better. And the most difficult part of making brown butter is keeping a really close eye on it. Because, of course, we know that butter burns at a lower smoke point than other oils. It will burn faster than even a great cook or chef might be used to. But if you watch it carefully, brown butter will and can be your ultimate secret culinary weapon. So here goes. To make brown butter, you simply start by melting unsalted butter over medium heat. I prefer that you use a pan with a light colored bottom, by the way, so that you can keep track of the color as the butter begins to brown. If you're using a nonstick pan because it's the only thing you have and it has a dark coating, you really need to pay attention. And I swirl the pan more than occasionally while making brown butter to ensure that the butter is cooking evenly. Now, as the butter starts to melt, it foams, right? And then as the foam dissipates, the color of the butter progresses from yellow to tan to this toasty brown. And the butter solids settle at the bottom of the pot. And once you smell the nutty aroma and the solids are golden brown, you take the pan off the heat. And here is the secret. You transfer the browned butter immediately to a heat-proof bowl to cool. Now, the milk solids, they cook fast. That's where you really have to watch. And you see them settle on the bottom of the pot like uh, sediment in a bottle of wine. When you transfer the brown butter to a new container, you stop the cooking process. And it's that moment is if you were to leave it in the pan or the pot, that the butter will pretty much guaranteed begin to burn. So by transferring the brown butter, by the way, with the sediment, you actually stop the cooking process and garner the beauty of brown butter in that perfect moment. Now, some people have been known to strain the butter through a fine mesh strainer or cheesecloth to remove the particles because the butter itself does have this beautiful, lovely flavor. But I like the caramelized goodness of the brown solids, and I happen to love the speckle that they give to the butter. Uh, And so I leave them in, but try it both ways and see what you like. Now, it's easy enough to brown just what you need for a recipe, right? But you can also brown large batches of butter at a single time. 
It keeps quite well for a while in the fridge. I recommend that you keep it as airtight as possible because like any butter, it will absorb the flavors of the refrigerator. It's porous. You can also freeze it in ice cube trays or you could freeze it in the measurement or the quantity that you love to make brownies with and you would always have brown butter on hand. Or because Thanksgiving is just around the corner, you could be making brown butter pie dough for the ultimate pumpkin pie or apple pie or any pie because it's the best pie crust you've literally ever tasted. Now, I'd love to know, how do you use brown butter? I spoon it over poached eggs in the morning. During the fall season, I make pumpkin ravioli using wonton wrappers. I, of course, spoon brown butter and fried sage leaves over the top of those. How about the best butterscotch pudding ever? Brown butter. Well, I'm happy to share the technique, of course. Uh, And the brown butter blondies that are out of this world, those are posted at chefjamie.com. But you can always send me a note if you'd like personal coaching or if you'd like to share what makes brown butter better in your house or what you make better with brown butter, rather. My email is jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. Okay. I am, as I mentioned, so full of joy that this extraordinary talent, this warm, wonderful woman in the industry who has led the way for so many pastry chefs and savory chefs, I will say, to be whimsical, to think outside the box, and to make their dreams come true. Christina Tosi is here, the playful creator of the popular bakery Milk Bar, and along with her comes a story of a girl whose delicious dream comes to life. It is her new release, the book in beautiful children's form is quite extraordinary and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Christina Tosi in your radio right after this. You and me, Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. to sweeten up your day. Oh, we have the grandest guests on this show, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I am so delighted to welcome this extraordinary talent and woman back to the show. From Christina Tosi, the playful and wonderful creator of the popular bakery Milk Bar, comes a story of a girl whose delicious dream comes to life, and it is all about cake. Christina is, of course, the two-time James Beard award-winning chef and owner of Milk Bar, known for baking outside the lines and for her joyful, whimsical, a beautiful take on everything sweet. Founded in 2008, Milk Bar's delectable treats are now available through 13 bakery locations throughout the country, as well as online at milkbarstore.com. 
Or you can come to my house where there is often a milk bar cake being delivered to the door. Christina is the host of Netflix's Bake Squad series, the award-winning author of four cookbooks, and now a beautiful children's book. And she joins us to dish, and I am truly delighted. Christina, welcome back. Hello, how are you? Baby, <laughs> I am so well, thank you. I love that you always keep Milk Bar well-stocked at your own home. I feel like my husband would be like, who is this person? Are y'all related? Because <laughs> it's the same thing in my house. <laughs> of, of course it is. Well, you know we have good taste. And congratulations, Mazel Tov. You are a new mommy, as am I. I don't know how long we can say that. Can we say new mommy for quite a while? I'm banking on leveraging it for at least another few years. I mean, or at least until she goes off to college, please, well, you know? Well, th- I was going to say it, 10. Is that okay? Can we? Can you get to, t- to 10 Make years it. old? I'll tell if Jagger has anything to say, I'll be like, Jag, give it to her. Yeah. Just just let her have it. Um, tell us, does Frankie turn the pages? Does she does she suck on the book? I mean, is she... Yeah, I was going to say, I think turning the pages, <laughs> she's more interested in taking the corner and like, you know, getting it to soothe her sweet little gums. Her teeth are coming in. She's about six months old now. Wow, and fabulous. she marvels at it, right? Like she can... She can see the colors and she has a sense of the images, but she's more interested in knowing what she already wants to know what it tastes like, Chef Jamie. That's our kind of girl. Yes, of course. Of course she does. But I love that she will grow up with this wonderful love and adoration, like my son is, of food and cooking and sweets and savoring those moments. And I'm sure she will know the words and by heart, read Every Cake Has a Story um, all throughout her childhood. Talk about, if you would, how this book, this children's book came to be. I like to think that part of my job is about reminding myself, remembering the kid in me and going to that place. And I suppose a lot of the work that I do is founded on reminding all of us Mm. about the kid in us, yes. about that like insatiable sense of curiosity and individuality and mm. the what-if joy of being alive when you're a kid. We love to do that through all of our baked goods at Milk Bar, whether it's at the bakeries or online or up and down the aisles of the grocery store. And I just felt like I knew I had this story. I tell my team of grown-ups, you know, every time we make a new layer cake, right now on the menu at Milk Bar for Fall, our newest layer cake is called the Apple Cider Donut Layer Cake. And mm. we talk about flavor story and it being the point of inspiration for anything and everything we dream up to bake up. Mm. And as I was going, you know, hearing myself say this over and over again, I thought to myself, I mean, this is a way of life. This is this is something that we all need to be reminded, whether we work in a kitchen or whether we're, you know, just humans showing up for ourselves on a daily basis. Like, every cake has a story. Every one of us has a story. And it's individual and it's unique and it's freaking brilliant. Yes. And we need more of that in the world, more so than we need the same or imitators or repetition. We, we need more of a reminder that the world is colorful and bright and full of potential, even when it's other things as well. Yes, and, and what a beautiful lens because it is magical. I love it that it's through the lens of a little girl because isn't there innocence and joy in our children that we aspire 
to uh, hold on to or take a glimpse of or soak up for just seconds every day. It's so true. Yes. And it's the sort of like when, at what point do we lose the sort of mentality of if I can dream it, I can do it. Hmm. At what point do we put up the wall where we sort of think to ourselves, ooh, those two flavors could be good together, but we don't say them out loud because we think, oh, no, that might seem weird. Oh, that's different. Oh, that's not how I'm... That's not what should be in, um, you know, in a, in a cake or that's a little, you know, that's a little too wacky or a little too wild. Like when do we start to put up those barriers for ourselves and Mm -hmm. our creativity? Um, for me, I'm only trying to take those barriers down. I love your combination of flavors. I love that every cake has a story, uh, in, in, in your real world, it does 43 versions later. And the book is just a, it is, it's a, a beautiful representation of how to live your life, how to open your mind, think big, step outside the box, be yourself, all of the things that I've always felt, Christina, you represent. And at a time when your fame was rising and very, you know, uh, formal fancy cuisine was sort of in on trend, I should say. You stepped outside the box and you showed us comfort and warmth and uh, how to embrace the beauty of individuality in desserts and you've taken it only steps further. So kudos to you. You know I've been a longtime fan. I will always be a Milk Bar fan. And just so you know, all of my mommy friends are getting Every Cake Has a Story uh, for Hanukkah or Christmas this year because what a beautiful book to nurture our children with. It is the children's book just released from Christina Tosi of Milk Bar fame, of course. Every Cake Has a Story. Uh, Really beautiful illustrations uh, and lovely lessons on how to live one's life joyfully and sweet, combining equal parts, secret wish, sweet dreams, and wild imagination. It is Christina Tosi through and through, and you just have to see it. Read it to a little one you love or embrace your inner child with it. The book has just released. It's available on Amazon now. Every Cake Has a Story. And of course, you'll want to go to MilkBarStore.com because if you're not salivating over your radio microphone right now for apple cider donut layer cake, I mean, I don't know who else is. Christina, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Mazel tov on Frankie. Continued success. And we will wait for more books for you to come back and grace the show. Please. Thank you, Christina, so much. You stay well. Thank you again for sharing your passion. She is Christina Tosi, and we do have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show. There is lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen feeding your soul. Carolyn Phillips is so full of passion. Her knowledge of Chinese gastronomy is magnificent. Her stunning research, a lifelong fascination. 35 cuisines of China. And really quite extraordinary that one woman knows them all. She married into a Chinese family more than 30 years ago, and her knowledge is steeped in the pursuit to honor and appreciate the food and culture. Carolyn graced this show for the first time some months ago, lucky us, with the release of At the Chinese Table, her memoir and cookbook. She is a food writer, a scholar, an artist, and a James Beard Award winner, and her appetite for fabulous food is contagious. And she was so insightful that I asked her to start a series with us on Chinese cuisine, and so it continues. Carolyn's second award-winning cookbook, entitled All Under Heaven, is the first cookbook in English to examine all 35 cuisines of China. Drawing on centuries' worth of culinary texts, as well as her own years working, eating, and cooking in Taiwan, it is a symphonic love letter to the flavors and textures of Chinese cuisine. And we're covering all of the regions. We started with the Central Highlands, and today we're focusing on the arid lands, where lamb and warm spices are prevalent. Yum. And I am so delighted to have you back on the radio, Carolyn. Ladies and gentlemen, Carolyn Phillips is back. Hello, my friend. Hey there. How you doing? <laughs> doing well, thank you. You know, you deserve an illustrious introduction every time. And so <laughs> I I've just de- I've decided I'm not cutting back. And I and I love it just that way. You know, you you are as dynamic and full of just sheer extraordinary knowledge that you've packed into no doubt the uh what is it? over 500 pages of all under heaven. I find myself reading the book more often, Carolyn, than I do other books. It's just, it's so steeped in education and, and I love that. So uh, give us the insight, please. Uh, educate us on the arid lands. This is a vast, immense region, is it not? Yes, it actually composes almost all of the uh, western part of China, almost half of it, uh, Land actually is the uh, composed of the arid lands, and this is everything from Mon- uh, Inner Mongolia, yes, which stretches up around Siberia, uh-huh. and down through the Gobi Desert, uh, Xinjiang, uh, mm. down to Tibet, and through Qinghai. All these areas that are very, very dry. I, I call it arid, the arid lands, um, for a reason, and that is because they really are not shaped by water, like the rest of uh, China. It's more akin to Central Asia. So you have, uh, for example, uh, Xinjiang is backed up against Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and all these Central Asian areas. And so the foods are very, very similar. And it's amazing, too, when you look at, for example, Tibet and Mongolia, their foods are very similar as well, and goodness knows why. I think it's because of Genghis Khan, because he um, went down in the 1300s, uh, conquered much of uh, the western part of China, mm-hmm. and brought, of course, his food with him. And so you see that. You can see so much of history in food. It's just fascinating. Yes, and the influences, when you look far back and you understand the the powers that be at the time 
had tremendous influence on the way that it shaped the country, shaped the regions, the people, uh, the history in so many ways. Talk about your travels there. It was it was a new, unique experience from or compared to, I should say, what you knew of traveling in China. Was it not? Oh, it was totally eye opening, and it was bizarre, and it was beautiful, and it was utterly, utterly delicious. We landed in um, Xi'an. We flew to Korea uh, and then landed in Xi'an. We went with a tour group because it was our first time there. And then from there flew to Urumqi, which is the capital of Xinjiang. And what is fascinating to me is that Urumqi is in the almost the exact center of the uh, Eurasian landmass. The exact center. It is as far away from Crete as it is from Japan, hmm. which blew my mind. Because we think of uh, East Asia as being like this, this smaller area, but yes. it's not. It's utterly vast. Huh. And the people there look different. They don't look, don't look the Han, like the Han Chinese that we see in the eastern part of China, the southern areas. They look more like Central Asians. You have the, uh, the Uyghurs, you have the Cossacks, um, Mongolians, all the Tibetans. And these people are really unique in their look and their, the way they talk um, and their food, their culture. It's fascinating. And yet they're still Chinese. They're very, very Chinese. It's so odd. It's just so wonderful, too. Yeah, wonderful and an interesting dichotomy because you speak in the introduction about the arid lands of two Mongolias politically, but then when you speak to food, the food is very similar when you travel in close region, right? You talk about lamb and wheat and hard cheese. I don't think of any of those ingredients when I think of China. Exactly. And it blows people's minds, yogurt. The best yogurt I've ever had was in Xinjiang. Oh, really? Wait, wait, let's let's stop there. Hold on. Yogurt is important. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the yogurt. It was uh, rich and creamy and um, had this nuttiness to it. And when I started to write All Under Heaven, I definitely wanted to include a recipe for this type of yogurt because it was so remarkable. It was so different from anything I'd ever had. Uh, this was back in, I think, 2001 that we were there. And so um, it took me ages to finally figure out the exact right culture. But what it was, it was um, Bulgarian yogurt mm. that I found. It had the right uh, type of yeast. And then I used half and half. I had tried using whole milk, I had tried using cream, everything, but half and half worked. And it created this rich, almost um, ethereal mass. It was like creme fraiche, oh. but with this superb nuttiness to it. And I couldn't figure out why it was Bulgarian yogurt that was providing this, um, like a, a little seed, a flavor. And then I remembered that, you know, the Ottoman Empire, we have to look at all of the world in terms of history. The Ottoman Empire and all these people had been traveling back and forth on the Silk Road and sharing their cultures and their food. And you look at Bulgaria was on the western edge of the Ottoman Empire. And so that made sense. They had brought this type of culture into uh, Xinjiang and created this incredible yogurt. Ta-da. It was hmm. amazing. How just how absolutely odd I can imagine to have been eating yogurt in a region where one expects traditional 
cuisine. I, I just think the mix of ingredients is is fabulous. Talk about their meat of choice, if you would. They're lamb eaters, no? Yeah, lamb and goat. Lamb and um, goat. Food. We have to realize that China, we think of China as being a monolithic country. Of yes. A singular culture, but it's not. Uh, mon- uh, China is as big as Europe, and it actually has... Um, Climates and territories that are as varied or even more varied than Europe, because Europe really doesn't have deserts. Um, hmm. But it does. Uh, China does have the, the freezing cold of Siberia up in Manchuria. Um, <clears throat> you go to the south, which is as tropical as you can get. It's on the borders of Vietnam. It's the same actual uh, cuisine. Yes. And then you go out to the far west, which is again Central Asia. It's the food. Of, of the desert people, of nomads, as well as city dwellers. The, the Uyghurs were actually lived in cities, but you also have the more nomadic cultures like the Tibetans. And their foods are, um, again, more influenced by Central Asia by, by breads. You have baked breads there, not the steamed breads of the East, um, but baked breads, you have noodles. Uh, rice is a rarity because rice requires water, lots of water. Of course, right. of but course. Not. No. And you talk about the noodles. They were pulled, you say, I, I remember this verbatim, they were pulled moments before you ate them. I, I mean, a, a fresh, beautiful pulled noodle like that, there's nothing like it. That's not. And they're silky and snappy. Yes. Oh. And, um, that, and then they have a, a wonderful, usually served in a wonderful broth, perhaps beef or lamb or goat or... Um, this is why you can get chicken or something if you're in more in the Gansu area. Mm. Um, but uh, the the creativity of uh, of noodle makers there is absolutely astounding. Carolyn, we need to take a quick pause. When we come back, more at the Chinese table. Don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Welcome back. Carolyn Phillips is here. The extraordinary, passionate, talented American writer known for her deep knowledge of all 35 cuisines of China. We're talking about the Central Highlands as our series continues, focusing on the arid lands where lamb and warm spices are prevalent. I was interested to see that they're uh, motivated by fresh vegetables, too, because you have a vegetable confetti salad. The artistry of the food fascinated me. You talk about the artistry of noodles. Then you speak about the different cuts of the vegetables. There really is a, a, beauty, a beauty and, a, and an art to their, uh, to their knife skills, to their plating, is there not? Oh, yes. Yeah. Always. Always. Um, because 
fuel is really a rarity, that is one of the reasons why you have uh, this, um, this this need to cut things into smaller pieces so that they can be either stir-fried or steamed or however you're going to cook them. They have to be cooked quickly on a mm. small amount of uh, fuel. Yes. But it also allows the textures to come through and the flavors to meld with each other. Mm. For like the vegetable consetti salad, I believe it's uh, from Tibet, um, it's really, really good because it's just like a, a, a Chinese radish, which is very large, like a daikon radish, carrots, um, tomatoes, and then with a little bit of uh, cilantro and vinegar tossed in. And it's very refreshing, especially when you're having something that's um, rich like, like goat or lamb. Yeah, what a nice way to cut through the the richness of the of the meat and the f- the fattiness. Absolutely. And then, the, and then the meats are seasoned, too, not with soy sauce, which we would expect, um, but that's not available. They, they are basically seasoned with salt, with cumin, with garlic, and with dried chilies. And so, uh, again, that the rich, vibrant barbecue almost yes. uh, against the salad. Astounding. It's like the best Chinese coleslaw, you know? <laughs> oh, I love it. See, the smoky cumin you wouldn't expect to find, right? That that warm spice, like a baking spice would be. I saw the recipe for sesame lamb that you shared, and I was very compelled to almost go downstairs and cook in the middle of the night, which by the way, Carolyn, I've been known to do. Um, but this uh, idea of the black vinegar, which you know I'm a great fan of, and a little bit of heat from the chilies and the beauty of the lamb and toasted sesame seeds all combined sounded luscious to me. Oh, it is. It is. It's, the, the, this whole, the foods of these areas are all absolutely astounding. It's like, um, I went to this party for uh, the great vegetarian cookbook writer, uh, Deborah Madison. Yes, of and, course. Um, we had, yeah, when we, she had one of her books come out, and we, I went to French House to celebrate it with her. And they said, um, they, I said, what, they, what do you want me to bring? And they said, bring a salad. And so I had to bring something vegetarian because many of the people were going to be vegetarians, of course. And I brought in this tossed cilantro and peanut salad. It was all cilantro. And people were totally freaked out. They couldn't <laughs> believe that somebody was making a salad all out of cilantro. And that salad disappeared in seconds. Everything you speak about, Carolyn, always makes me so hungry, like from the depths of my, the soul of my belly. Um, and and I, I love that about you. Um, David Kinnich, the author, the, the great, extraordinary author of Manresa, of course, uh, was quoted as saying, and it is uh, perfectly uh, printed on the back of All Under Heaven, and it couldn't have been said better. The vastness and complexity of the many cuisines of China would be daunting to anyone except for Carolyn Phillips. And it is true. This is an exploration of culinary history, uh, an immediate classic, and uh, a necessity for any reference library to understand the cuisine and the culture of China. The book is called All Under Heaven. It is Carolyn Phillips. It is award-winning. And the series continues. Carolyn, you'll come back in a couple of months again, please, and highlight a new region for us. And then we'll plan tea. I'd love to. And then we'll talk rice wine. It, it just will go on and on. I love it. I love it, too. I think we should sit down 
and actually just do uh, just eating together. I would like nothing more than that, let me tell you. I can't wait. Uh, the book All Under Heaven is, of course, uh, top-rated, best-selling, you name it, but you can get your hands on it on Amazon, of course. The author, Carolyn Phillips, uh, her uh, entire series of books available on Amazon. You can follow her culinary escapades as well at Madam Huang, like song, H-U-A-N-G. But please continue to tune in because Carolyn Phillips graces this show with her absolute extraordinary knowledge and passion. And I don't know of a better expert. Carolyn, thank you as always for the teachings and um, for the fabulous food. I truly appreciate your time and your passion. You know that. Anytime. I Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. And I do hope you thought so. I thank you for listening, of course, but let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for this week. This is actually football inspired, in fact, or it could be weeknight dinner inspired. It's the kind of dish that you just love to know, right? And you don't even have to boil the pasta. So check this out. My meatball pasta bake, it doesn't really get any better than this. This is what I love about what is a dump recipe. You literally toss together some dry pasta, some fully cooked meatballs, preferably homemade, but okay, store-bought, marinara sauce, water, and some spices, and you bake it in a casserole, actually at pretty high heat, with lots and lots of wonderful cheese. You finish with a handful of fresh basil leaves, and I've got to tell you, you will have a happy, happy crowd. And I can't wait to share the recipe with you. Tried, tested, and true over the past few months, in fact, on Facebook Live coming up this Monday. In fact, please uh, check in. 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll meet you on Facebook Live at Chef Jamie Gwen. I'm sharing my meatball pasta bake, and I'll be posting the recipe just after on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So I'll see you there. I hope that you stay healthy, of course. Once again, I thank you for listening, and I'll meet you here next weekend for more fabulous food in your radio. Until then, I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Bye.